the, the gift that we gave the graduates, most of them, we gave them a couple of options for what they could get for their gift, but most of them chose this evidence Bible, and it's a New King James Version of the Bible, and it's got just notes and stories and, and uh, anecdotes um, about why you can believe the Bible's true, historical proofs and practical truths, and uh, so it's a, it's a really good Bible, and that's uh, something that we're we gave them today uh, to carry with them. And I mean, it's, I'll have to, I just have to say, you know, every year, I think this is the fourth um, graduation Sunday that I've got to be a part of. And every year I stand there and listen to them and I think, well, how are you going to replace these guys? You know, like these guys, they're an amazing group. And then the next year, and then the next year, and I think back that first year, these guys that were standing here would have been you know, ninth graders just, you know, trying to hang on or survive their first year of high school. And now they're, they're graduating and they've got plans. And, um, you know, the, the cap and gown represent a lot of hard work. Like these guys have worked hard uh, to get where they've been, the homework, the practices, the science fair projects. And uh, as parents, I know it's a lot of hard work for you guys, too. You're working on the same science fair projects. You're running to Walmart at 11 o'clock because you just found out something's due the next morning and you don't have it. And uh, so it's, it, it, it's an accomplishment. And it's, and it's not just parents, it's grandparents and it's, it's family. And, uh, and we celebrate that. And we really, um, we, our, our culture really does celebrate the high school graduation. And I'm thankful for that because it is... Um, it is something that they've worked really hard for. So my, I got one piece of advice. Well, I don't want to lie. I got some advice. But one thing I want to say to the graduates before we get started is make sure you spend some time with your mom, your dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever it is that's really helped get you to this point. Make sure you spend some time with them this summer. Um, you give your mom extra hugs. Uh, it's going to be, it's hard for the parents because the, the graduates are excited, right? Like we're moving on, we're doing things, we're going to make it happen. And as a dad of a graduate, you're excited too, but you're also remembering that first day of kindergarten, you know, when you watched them walk off. And moms, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. So one piece of advice for the kids. So before I talk to the graduates, um, I just wanted to share a few things with the parents. And um, I guess our theme, our theme verses here at House of Prayer for our students is, are, is Colossians 2, uh, verses 6 and 7, which read, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And so these are, these are the sort of our, found, our two foundational verses for um, our House of, Prayer, House of Prayer youth group. And we really, we really strive, we, we look at this as an opportunity to pour into the lives of these kids. We want them to, uh, just as they receive Christ, they receive Christ in faith. We want them to be walking in faith. We want to um, root them in their faith. We want to um, teach them about their faith. We want them to know who they are in Christ as they as they leave and they go on and they're beginning to make more and more decisions for themselves. And so with this, this group in particular, we've been through the book of Ephesians uh, several years ago. We've studied apologetics. We did an overview of the Bible. This past year, we've been in the book of John, studying, the, studying Jesus and who he is and what he said. And my prayer for our graduates is that these things have helped to shape their way of thinking. It's given them a biblical worldview. It's helped them to know who they are and who God is and their relationship with him. 
and that as, as they go out, they, they'll know these things, they'll be sure of these things, and they'll be confident of these things. Because verse 8 here in Colossians uh, chapter 2 says this, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And for a lot of them, they, they, they mentioned they're going to college, and their faith will be chipped away at. They'll be worn down day after day with, these, um, with philosophy and empty deceit. Jesus was just a good teacher. Christianity, that's just an option if that works for you, but it's really not true, so you, know, be, you can be happy with that if that's what makes you happy. But all of these things are coming at them, and so um, our prayer is that they are rooted and grounded in their faith and that they know the truth um, and that they will uh, stick to it as they move on. So for parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, um, if you want to pray something for your kids, for your grandkids, open up the book of Colossians, find chapter 2, and just pray these verses, verses 6, 7, and 8. Pray that uh, your, your kids or, or the ones you're praying for, that just as they receive Jesus, that they would walk in him, that they'd walk in faith, that they would be established in their faith, that they would be rooted in their faith. Um, that they would be thankful for what God's done. Pray that they wouldn't be deceived by the empty teachings and philosophy and deceit. Pray that um, they would know uh, the difference between truth and untruth and that they would, they would walk according to Christ. You can just read these, read these verses and you can uh, pray through those things for your graduate. You can pray through those things for your adult kids, for your, for your neighbors, for, for anyone that you think of. It's just a, a, a great thing that we can do. So... Uh, to the graduates this morning, uh, we're going to look at uh, the character of Jonah this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Jonah, and um, let, me, let me pray and we'll, and we'll get started into that. Heavenly Father, I just I thank you for this group of students that we're celebrating today. And Lord, as we dig into your word, I pray that we would uh, see and understand some truths uh, about how you want us to live, about, um, about who you are and who we are and, and how our relationship is to work. And Lord, I just pray that um, these words would be uh, useful for edification and for our knowledge and for um, a better understanding of how we walk with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you might think that Jonah is kind of an unlikely character. You know, if you're wanting to inspire a bunch of young people, why do you end up with Jonah? But I think there's a lot that we can learn. And uh, I think that there's some good things that we can pull from, from Jonah. And there's some debate, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you know, most of the Bible's true, we can't believe all of it, like, for example, Jonah, like, can you, he didn't really get swallowed by a fish and spit up on land, did he? And so, yeah, he did, didn't he? And if Jesus taught his disciples the story of Jonah as truth, as fact, as something that happened, then that's how we're going to look at it as well. So this is a true story. It's a real account of what happened, and we're going we're gonna to start in uh, chapter 1, verse 1. We're just going to go through, do a quick overview of the story, and then pull some things from it. Uh, so Jonah 1, 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So this God, he says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach to these people. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish. So Jonah says, you want me to go to Nineveh? Jonah says, I'm going to Tarshish. He goes the other way. So uh, we see right away that God understands what it's like to have kids. (laughs) 
So Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship that was going to Tarshish. He paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. You guys know the story. He got on the ship. They're, they're sailing. Jonah's tired. He went down below to take a nap. A big storm came. They're throwing stuff overboard. All of the sailors, they're all offering up prayers to their gods. And they said, where'd that guy, didn't we have a passenger? Where'd that guy Jonah go? So the captain went down below, probably thinking he's hiding in a corner or something like that. And there's Jonah. He's sleeping. So the captain woke him up and said, hey, pray to your gods. We're, we're all going to die. And uh, so they, they storm continues. They cast lots. The lot fell on Jonah. And he said, well, he said, yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm, I serve the Lord. He's, he's my God. He's the one that created the heavens and the earth. And so they're like, come on, man, like we're in trouble now. And so Jonah said, look, throw me overboard and it'll all be better. And they said, no, no, we can't, we can't do that. So they're, they continue to row, continue to row. Storms just on them, and they say, okay, let's, let's throw them overboard, right? So they throw them overboard, and the, the storm calmed down, and then verse 17 says, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, I want to read, um, I'm going to read through chapter two, and this is what Jonah, Jonah's, I think, coming to his senses, and he prays a prayer to the Lord from the belly of the whale. And I want to read the whole thing because maybe some of us today are, are dealing with circumstances and you feel like, as Freddie sung, you're, like, you're in the middle of the fire. Maybe you feel like you're at the bottom of the sea. You got the weight of the world on you. Jonah talks about the seaweed wrapped around his head. It's not a good situation. And this is where, how Jonah found himself and this is what he said to the Lord. I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. And this is Jonah's confidence right here. He said, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So this is Jonah's situation. He's in the fish. The weight of the world's on him. He, he sees no hope. He cries out to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Uh, so the story continues. Jonah is out. The word of the Lord comes to him again. And it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message I tell you. So this time Jonah got up and he went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord. He's, he's thick-headed a little bit, but he, he's learning. So Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He's preaching the message that God gave to him. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to them, 
to the least of them. So the word goes through the city that uh, this great destruction's coming on them in 40 days. It gets all the way to the king. They repent. They cry out to the Lord. They put on their sackcloth and ashes. And in, in the end, the Lord turns his wrath away from the city. The city is saved. Um, we're not going to talk a whole lot about chapter 4. It's an interesting chapter. Uh, the city saved. The Lord says, okay, I'm, I, I relent. I'm not going to destroy it. And uh, it's so interesting. This displeased Jonah exceedingly. You believe that? He was angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, isn't this what I told you? That's why I went to Tarshish, because I knew you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So, okay, so we got this guy Jonah. And, and from there he went out into the, into the desert and he built a little tent and he sat in there and he, he pouted basically. So you got Jonah, and uh, the Lord says to him, I want you to go to Nineveh. He says, no, I'm going to Tarshish. He, he, he just about drowns. He's in the belly of a fish. Comes to his senses. He says, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do. And so he gets back out of the fish, and the Lord says, I want you to go to Nineveh. So Jonah did. He preached the message. The people responded. I think Pastor Jerry, when the people respond, he's pretty good, good mood on Monday morning. But, but no, Jonah was like, he was angry. He was like, I knew it. I knew if these people repented, the Lord would forgive them. <laughs> so I, I hope we're not like that. But um, the, I think that there are some things that we can, we can learn from, from Jonah. So the first thing I think we can learn is we need to uh, live with anticipation. All right, graduates, live with anticipation. And for these young guys, that's easy, right? Like they got, they got one more week and they're looking forward to uh, their graduation ceremony. They're looking forward to a summer break. They're looking forward to, as you heard, lots of them go- going to college, doing different things. I mean, they've got their plans. And, and you know, um, as we get older, we, most of us, anyways, we slow down a little bit. But these young guys, like they make their plans. Like you, you don't have to help them with their social calendar. They are, they're always ready for the next thing. They're planning, they're anticipating. They're just always looking forward to something, it seems like. So I've got a challenge to you guys, the, the graduates, as you're looking forward to life, and you've got a lot to look forward to. You guys are an amazing group. You are a kind group. You're a loving group. You are a caring group. You've got lots to look forward to, but I'm going to challenge you to look for the opportunities that God puts in your path. All right, live with anticipation. When I say that, what I'm saying is each day... I'm going to challenge you to, to get up in the morning and ask the Lord to, or not, not ask him, but tell him, Lord, I'm ready. Whatever you have for me today, I'm ready to do it. Because I think when we look at, at Jonah, he wasn't ready, right? The Lord came to him one day and he said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And instead of, instead of going to Nineveh, he ran the other way. He, for whatever reason, Jonah on that day was not ready to do what God asked him to do. But 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says this, As it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So if you're Christian and you love the Lord, this verse says you've got no idea what he's got planned for you. And a lot of times we read this verse and we're thinking about heaven. And, and the Lord's got all kinds of things planned for us in heaven. But I believe he's got all kinds of things planned for us here on earth as well. And we've got no idea what that is. And we won't unless we're obedient. 
so God knows what his plans are for us, Jeremiah says. But this verse says, we don't know what it is. And so we need to live with anticipation that God's going to do something. And when he does, I'm going to be ready and I'm going to respond yes. So Micah 7, verse 7, this is a good verse. This was, this was Micah's attitude. He said, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation and my God will hear me. So imagine what Jonah's story would have looked like if he had got up that morning and he said, Lord, I'm looking to you. I'm going to wait. Whatever you have for me today, I'm going to be ready to do it. That's anticipation of what the Lord will do for him. I don't think he, was, I don't think he prayed that prayer that morning. I think it would have looked a lot different. So what, if, what would our lives look like as we, as we head for graduates, as you go into the summer and as you go into this next phase of your life? I'm going to challenge you. Wake up each day and say, Lord, whatever you have for me today, I'm willing to do it. The second thing I think we can learn from Jonah is to live with humility. We need to live with anticipation that the Lord will do something and we'll be ready for it, but also to live with humility. And I know that um, as a young adult, and, and you guys are um, graduating from high school, and sometimes you see this a lot more for with graduates from college, but as young adults, they, they're learning, and they're gaining knowledge, and they're gaining information. And um, a lot of times, and I, I was in this place too, you start to look around and think that you know better, right? Like you look at mom and dad and you say, well, if they had done this, or you look at your boss and you think, well, if, and you begin to think that you know a little bit better. But how many of you remember your first week of school? Graduates, how many? We got one in the front. I remember my first week of school, first week of high school, not school school, high school. For me, it was a new town, a new school. I, I had a couple of acquaintances, but I didn't really know anybody. Never stepped foot in the school before. We only lived like half a mile from the school. So, you know, we just, me and my older brother, we walked. And we showed up at school. I'd seen the outside. It was the first time I stepped. So I was, I was, a, I was, I wasn't a mess, but I was close to it. You know, I was nervous. I didn't know what to expect. Um, it was, it was all unknown. And so I didn't, I, 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 probably didn't walk in with a whole lot of confidence. Like I was gonna go in and tell anybody how it was when I walked into, and the same thing is when you, when you um, maybe when you start a new job. And, and I think maybe some of you can relate to that. You get the new job, you got your orientation, you got your training, those first few weeks it's like, oh, I don't know what's going on. And, and you're learning and you're, willing, and, you're, and you're gaining information. And same thing for parents that have had kids, especially that first kid, right? You don't know what's coming. Sometimes you don't even know if it's a boy or a girl. And so you're just, you're not sure. But as we, as we do things over and over, we gain confidence, right? And we come to this position sometimes where we think we know, I know better, I know better than you, definitely know better than Bill. <laughs> you know, and we, we have this, this sense of pride that, that it infiltrates our life. And, and the, the, I think the most dangerous form of that is when we say, I know better than what God has for me. We look at his word and we say, well, that's, that's, too, that's too much. It's, that's just too, you can't really expect that in 2018 uh, we're actually going to live that way. Um, or God you, nudges you to do something and you're like, no, I'm too busy today. Like I, I get up in the morning, I got my schedule, and I got things that I need to get done and I want to get my things done. But um, if I ever take that list and when God calls me to do something, I say, no, I know, I, no Lord, I got this. 
is dangerous ground. And that's where Jonah found himself when God told him to go to Nineveh. And he said, no, I'm going to Tarshish. I know, I know better. I don't need to do that. And so live with humility. James says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the, to the humble. And the turnaround for Jonah really began when he recognized who he was and who God was. And in, verse, um, in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, um, they brought him up from the bottom of the boat and they started to question him. And they said, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country and what people are you? And this is where I believe Jonas really started to get a turnaround and started to humble himself. He said, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. When we recognize who God is, put God in his rightful place, we've got no choice but to be humbled. Right? How can we know better than the creator of the sea and the land? And we could say, we, we, you know, we might not be Jewish, but we could say, I'm a child of God, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And so Jonah began to take responsibility for his actions. He said, look, just throw me overboard. This is my fault. I know it. And this is what I can do to make it right. And then he called out to the Lord. And I'm going to read a couple of verses from chapter 2 again. He said, I called out to the Lord, in verse 1, out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. When we cry out to the Lord, he hears us. When he says, no, I got this, or when, when we say, no, I got this, I'm going to Tarshish, I don't, need, I don't need Nineveh, I'm going to do what I want to do, now that we're on dangerous ground. But when we cry out to the Lord, he hears us. Uh, verse 9 says, with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. He was thankful because he recognized who, who God was, and he recognized who he was. What I have vowed I will pay, salvation belongs to the Lord. So what did the Lord do? He just, did he leave him in there? Let him digest? No, the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So when Jonah humbled himself and he cried out to the Lord, then the Lord answered his call. And so we should live in anticipation. Okay, God, I'm ready for whatever you have for me, and we should live with humility. Okay, Lord, if you ask, it's got to be what's best, and I'm going to do it. And the third thing that I want to challenge the, the seniors with is to live with purpose. All right, we all, we all live for something. And some of us, uh, maybe we live for recognition. Like we just, we live for the attaboy, the pat on the back. You're doing a great job. Some of us, we just live for our family. Like we just, you just strive to, you want your family to be well, you want your family to be united, uh, you want them to be loving, and you want them to be succeeding. Some of us students and graduates don't live for this. It's a good thing, but it's not everything. Just live for retirement, man. It's coming, right? And you make every decision based on that freedom 55 or whatever your magic number is. Um, what, what are we living for? What did you live for this past week? What will you live for this coming week? It's, it's a big question, and as a follower of Christ, this is, this is a crucial truth, whether you recognize this truth, whether you live by this truth or not, it's true. If you're a follower of Christ, your life doesn't belong to you. My, love, my life doesn't belong to me. We're a child of God. So uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says this, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, 
so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Right? This is, like a, this is the, the big exchange that happened on the cross, and this is a good deal for us. Okay? It's a good deal for you, this is a good deal for me. When Jesus is on the cross, he took our sin, and God gave us Jesus' righteousness. So when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus, he doesn't see our sin. All right, that is a good deal. All right, now whether you realize that or not, when you accepted that, what that means is now your life is his. Right, we're all a servant to somebody. You can be a servant to money, success, family, or you can be a servant of the Lord. You're all, we're all a servant to somebody. It's this idea, and we, we're free in Christ, no doubt about that. We are free in Christ. But this idea that we're looking to be free, right? We don't want anyone to tell us anything. We don't want, it's not true. I mean, we want it to be true, and we think it's true, and we maybe sometimes we even strive for it. We are all a servant to somebody. Hopefully, we're a servant to the Lord. Second Corinthians, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20 says, you're not your own, you were bought with a price. Same idea as the other verse, but this, this verse gives us something to do. This is a conclusion. You're not your own, you're bought with a price, glorify God in your body. There's a purpose to live for, to glorify God in all that we do. Romans 6.11 says, consider yourself dead to sin. That was the old life. We did what we wanted. We lived in sin. But consider yourself alive to God in Christ Jesus. So our life is serving the Lord. So graduates, live, have purpose, live with purpose. And your purpose should be to serve the Lord, to bring glory to him. And uh, let's see, what, I, I really think that was a turnaround for Jonah. Like I said, um, when he realized who, God, who he was and who God was, he said, I'm a Hebrew, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And the, the, um, he was in the fish, he got spit up on the dry land. And in chapter three, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against the message that I tell you. And this time, what did Jonah do? He didn't go to Tarshish, he went to Nineveh, right? So Jonah rose, he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord, and he preached, and they turned from their sins, they prayed, they fasted, went all the way up to the king, and in uh, verse 10 of chapter 3, it says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So Jonah, when he realized that his purpose was to serve the Lord and was obedient to what the Lord put in front of him, a whole city was saved. Later in chapter 4, it says 120,000 who didn't know their right from their left. So maybe 120,000 kids, young kids, plus the rest of the city, maybe just 120,000 that didn't know the difference between right and wrong before Jonah came. I don't know, but a lot of people, a lot of people that were affected from one man's obedience. So my question to you, my question for myself is, what will my obedience, what will your obedience mean to somebody else? Or you could put it this way, what will your disobedience mean to someone? How will your disobedience affect somebody else? So I'm excited because I look, at, I look and I see a church as a whole, we live with anticipation. Right, and the some of you heard the story for, of Sam somehow ends up with this with this guy who's walking on the side of the road. He needed help. And Sam stopped, and he wasn't Sam. Were you expecting to pick a guy up on the side of the road that day? A couple weeks? No. 
But Sam, Sam listened to the Lord. He was obedient. And he made a difference in that guy's life. That man, I don't know if he heard the gospel before or not, but he definitely had heard it by the time he was on his way. I see a church that's, that's busy with um, ministering in the cottage across the street or the closet on this side, um, CLBC, VBS, 252 Kids. There's all kinds of things that we can do to serve the Lord. We live with anticipation. I see a, a group that lives in humility, modeling that to our, to our young people, and I appreciate that so much. Students, I want you guys to make those same choices. Follow the example of our congregation. Find places to minister. Find places to serve. Um, live in anticipation. Wake up every morning and say, okay, God, I don't know what all you've got for me today, but whatever it is, I'm ready for it. You show me and I'll do it. Be humble. Never get to the place where you think, well, I know better. I know better than them. I know better than them. Be humble before the Lord. Lord, you show me what you want me to do. You show me how I should do it, and I'll be willing to do it. And even though you've got this idea of being humble, you've got this idea of anticipating, not really knowing, but you're, going, you're willing, we do have to live with purpose. Like, we do have to make our plans to, to live. To, what are we going to do this week? And, and you, guys, you guys have made your plans. Like, I listen to those plans, I think, wow, those are, they got some plans, right? And in his heart, a man plans his course, but let the Lord determine your steps, like Sarah said. So live on purpose. And if you're looking, you think, well, I don't, that sounds good, but I'm just not sure. And this is for graduates, this is for everybody. Those are, those are good words, and I'd love to be able to do something. I'm just not sure. I'd love to plan to do something for the Lord. I don't know what, what I could do. We got all kinds of things. Pastor Jerry mentioned in your bulletin this morning is the, is the uh, volunteer form for Canal Lake Bible Camp this summer. 252 kids. We got lots of young kids, uh, three and four years old up to 11 years old on Wednesday night, fifth probably 50 kids or, or, or so or more, they need, they need people to love them. They need people to teach them. We've got the, the, um, the youth ministry, the camp ministry, VBA. There are all kinds of things that you can do. There, I'll just say this. You've got no excuse. I've got no excuse, right? There are all kinds of things that we can do. Live on purpose, but don't get so caught up in your plans that you don't live in anticipation to be able to say, look, I'll do whatever, Lord. You just put it in my path and I'll do it. Let me pray for you guys. And let me pray for these graduates again. Heavenly Father, you're so good to us. Uh, Lord, you, uh, we're able to love, we're able to minister, we're able to do because you loved us first. Lord, you, you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. And um, Lord, we're just so thankful. We're just so thankful for who you are for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would have a desire as a church, uh, and I see it in our church already, and I pray that it, our desire would just continually grow to serve you, to make your name known in our community, to make your name known uh, around the world through the missions program. And Lord, I pray that we would be uh, a church that's known, uh, that take action when you, when you uh, give us something to do, that we live humbly, but we also live on purpose. Uh, Lord, may you guide us, may you lead, may you direct, and we, may we be um, just excited and eager to follow you. I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.